Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, an event that will look a little different than previous years. Joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Hey, Greg. Hey, Rick. Uh, looking forward to this one. Our second, technically, our second signature event of the PGA Tour season at a great venue at a great time of the year, right in between Championship Sunday and Super Bowl Sunday. Um, this should be a good one. It's interesting because, yes, technically the century was a signature event. But to me, this feels like the first signature event in that it's that 80 player field, no cut. This is kind of what the rest of them are going to look like. And you mentioned the the venue. You know, we haven't seen this caliber of field descend on Pebble Beach in a long time. This is usually um, an event that doesn't necessarily garner a, a very strong field, but that is very much changing this year. Well, you look through a lot of these top players, as we'll cover, their record at Pebble is very limited. Um, you know, some players have one AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Some have, they play it every year, but some have played one or two and then a, a U.S. Open in 2019. So it is going to look a little bit different. It also traditionally has three courses in the rotation. This year, only two with Pebble Beach and Spyglass Hill. And the last thing I believe will be different and I know will be a factor is we're going to have some different weather. There, It's going to be uh, not the most ideal weather for playing golf. It's going to be wet. It's supposed to rain like from Tuesday on. It's supposed to rain. Except Saturday, you might get a little reprieve. Okay. Um, but definitely Wednesday, Thursday, <laughs> Friday, Sunday, and cold in and the low 50s. This is the event that went to Monday last year, isn't it? Justin Rose won this on a Monday? Justin Rose. Was that a Monday? Am I remembering that accurately? 
I know it went to Monday when uh, when Paul Casey and Phil Mickelson were in that playoff. I remember no. that. I don't remember. Why do I not remember last year? I know Justin Rose won. I can't remember if it was a Monday or a Sunday. Uh, okay, there's a headline from PGATour.com that says Majestic Monday for Justin Rose at Pebble Beach. So I'm assuming- There you go. You were right. Got it. Okay. Uh, yes, they finished this on Monday last year. Fingers crossed we don't have to do that again this time around. Yes, that would be nice. Now, the field's a lot smaller, mm-hmm. uh, but they are... So it's still a pro-am format, and they're on two golf courses. Right. So it's like a full field event in actual, you know, if you're making tee times, it's like a full field event across two courses. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, only 80 tour players. Pebble Beach and Spyglass Hill. The amateurs will only play the first two rounds. We'll get rid of them after 36. And then the rest of uh, the rounds will be played at, at Pebble Beach. So very similar to what we did last week, where the South Course were uh, hosted three rounds. This week, uh, Pebble Beach will play three rounds. So we'll, we'll probably focus there, Greg. And Troy, if you want to share my screen, I've got the scorecard up here. Um, stark contrast between the scorecards of Torrey Pines, the South Course, and Pebble Beach. For this week, uh, significantly shorter, as you can see. Uh, interesting that they're both PGA Tour venues. Uh, I, I'm sorry, U.S. Open venues. I was like, so obviously, I was like, that is interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry, excuse me. <laughs> uh, both U.S. Open venues in the past and good ones, but this one under seven thousand yards, still par seventy two. Four par fives uh, in the U.S. Open. It typically goes down to a seventy-one. Right. So the second hole, you could see there if you're watching on YouTube, hole number two, five hundred and sixteen yard par five. They'll move that to a par four in a U.S. Open. Um, but again, like we always talk about, par is just a relative number. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. That's why, <laughs> that's why we have a sneeze button. <laughs> Um, but look, this is you, you look at some of these yardages and there's a lot of holes that are in that under 430. And, and I mean, uh, there's a lot that are under 400 yards as well, too. So it, it's traditionally a wedge fest. It is. I do expect it to play, <laughs> but that still does not make it long by any means. You don't need distance around here. And I would argue at some points. Uh, you can't really use it if you have it. The average drive distance here is the shortest on the PGA Tour. It's like 276 yards. You end up getting, Greg, a lot of guys who play from similar positions, whether that is an iron to a specific spot, and then everybody kind of plays in from those wedge locations. And then when they do that, they're attacking these tiny, tiny little greens that are – I mean, comically small. If you can, if you lay your eyes on them, it's like, oh, I don't even know how that works. That that's going to be one of the defenses, along with weather. Those small greens that are difficult to hit, small and slopey, uh, and and they're also that poanya, um, so they're difficult to putt as well. And that's why a golf course that's under seven thousand yards can host a U.S. Open, right. uh, because the the greens are difficult now. Uh, if you remember in the 2019 U.S. Open, they were a lot smoother. Th- they are traditionally smoother than Torrey Pines. 
but uh, I think the statistics still show that it, it is a difficult golf course to putt inside of five feet. It's difficult putting inside yes. of 15 feet. It's difficult to have a good putting week. So th- that is a similarity to this in Torrey Pines. That's exactly right. So Torrey Pines is basically how you can slice this a lot of different ways, but from five to 15 feet, um, Torrey Pines is either the most difficult or second most difficult place to putt on the PGA tour. Pebble beach is like the third or fourth most difficult. So it, it is, it is very, very similar. You're going to see short putts missed. It, it kind of makes the scrambling numbers go down. Greg Cause scrambling. That's a, that's a two shot stat, right? You got to get up. You got to get down the down part. Uh, all, more difficult here than a lot of other places. Yes. Uh, and the other thing about the up part is because the greens are so small and because you're coming in with short clubs, you tend to be a lot closer to the hole. Mm-hmm. So you end up with a lot of short-sided shots from the rough or from bunkers with slopes to deal with. So the up can be difficult too. Uh, um, but these players are so good around the greens. And for them to be short-sided is not necessarily a big deal. But whether you're talking about around the green or approaching the green, this is a wet, very wedge-centric golf course. Yeah. Okay, we are going to jump into this 79-player field on DraftKings. Uh, I'll describe what the heck that is all about. We'll go tier by tier here. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. And we're back. Uh, Greg, we are doing this live on YouTube. It is about 5.40 p.m. Eastern time on, on Monday afternoon. As of this moment, Terrell Hatton is still in the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am field um, uh, officially. And while it has been heavily reported that he will be playing in live Mayakoba this week, there has been nothing official from Terrell. There's been nothing official from the PGA Tour. There's been nothing official from live. However, DraftKings said enough is enough. We're not putting him in the field. So so there are only 79 golfers in this field. I I guess they must feel it'll be easier to add him than remove him uh, if if they need to. And the man waiting in the wings uh, for that potential WD is Hayden Buckley, who would take the 80th spot if Hatton does announce something official here. That is fascinating. I wonder what that timeline would be. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that there will be an announcement beforehand if it is true, um, but it doesn't put Hayden Buckley in a great spot. 
because traditionally this was an, an exception with John Rom, uh, but the players weren't suspended until they hit a shot. So if you're there in Mayakoba, um, he's got to hit a shot before he's suspended. Well, with the time difference that we might be able to pull that off. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But with their shotgun starts, <laughs> oh, a little later tea times, right? You might be in trouble. Aiden Buckley, so, give me a give me a late tea time. Let's see if I could get hat to hit a shot in my Akoba. Get me get me one of these somebody on Instagram to post a video of him at the end. Yes, and I can have proof and I could tee it up. Yes. he's not going to make his tea time. I'm in. <laughs> um, so yeah, Hay- Hayden Buckley in place of Tyrrell Hatton is interesting. Which hey, Tyrrell Hatton would probably, if there were no rumors, um, would probably be a playable option here. But DraftKings made the decision for us, so he's out. Yeah, they did. So uh, here we go. This is the cheat sheet on my website, rickrungood.com. And there are four golfers over $10,000. And I mean, listen to this field headed to Pebble Beach. Rory McIlroy, 11500 Scotty Scheffler, 11-4. He's played this as the U.S. Open. Hasn't played it otherwise. Victor Hovland, $10,200. And Xander Shoffley, $10,000 even at the top of the board. This is This is a field for Pebble. It's a great field for Pebble. And I think there's some difficult ones to parse through. So let's just start with Rory McIlroy. Sure. Now, at this golf course, he doesn't have a lot of experience, um, but he has played. Sorry. Um, he played a U.S. Open here, came in tied ninth. He played a U.S. Open in 2010, missed the cut, and he missed the cut at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am in 2018. Right. Um, the good news is the T9 at the U.S. Open in 2019, that's four rounds at Pebble Beach. So you're, you don't really have a great idea of whether or not the other golf courses were just more difficult. In 2010, he's so young. He's such a different player now. Yeah, I would not be using anything. One single result from 2010 for any golfer in the world. But this is why I'm so interested in Rory. Uh, if you look on your stats page on the Holy Grail and go to approaches from 150, or I'm sorry, from 50 to 125, mm-hmm. Rory is second uh, in this field, which is so, much, which is much improved over the last couple of years. By the way, remember that used to be an issue for him that that wedge uh, exactly. That- yeah. Now I'm not just going to go down. I'm not just going to go in this list and pick the guys that are near the top here. That's not the old. I'm not judging this entire thing based on approach play from 50 to 125. But Rory's improvement in this area is significant on this golf course. I, I also I wouldn't be surprised if the more accurate number like 125 to 150 might come more into play for a lot of players because of the weather. But Rory, with his length, I still I think he still ends up in in this window and his 50 to 125 play. Even on the PGA Tour last year, full season, he was in the neighborhood of 16th on tour, which is a huge improvement. Uh, you look at his play in Dubai, a little sloppy. Uh, but again, a left miss. Uh, a left miss is the thing that he's been fighting uh, off the tee. Now, two things come to, into his advantage here. One, you can't miss right at Pebble Beach. You can miss left all you want until on the first 17 holes. <laughs> you can miss left. Yeah, that's true. 
<laughs> and the other aspect is you don't have to hit a lot of drivers. Right. So I feel very strongly this event can play right into Rory McIlroy's hands. You know, it is interesting, though. I, com- I completely agree with your analysis here. If I'm a Rory backer, don't I want him hitting drivers? Isn't that his weapon? Isn't that what separate? If he's just going to hit five iron, 275 yards, and play it from the same spot Tom Hoagie is, doesn't he lose his edge? Traditionally, yes. And there is an edge he loses. No question about it. But he's strong enough in the other areas to make up for it. And it's not every hole you can't hit driver. I mean, he can hit driver on one, two is probably a three wood. Um, but some of those holes on the back nine, I think he he might be able to hit driver and fly all the bunkers. Like on 15, I believe, is the one I'm thinking of, where a lot of guys lay up to where it's wide in between some cross bunkers. Um, and Rory might have the opportunity to fly it right over all of them. Now he's playing a different golf course. So, yes, some of his edge gets taken away, but I, I think he has the ability now to make up for it. Rory is the most expensive, but just a hundred bucks behind is Scotty Scheffler here, Greg. And Scotty, you know, the um, the storyline is is pretty much the same. It's it's the T to green domination, and it is somebody who looks pretty lost on the putting surfaces. Now, when you go to a place that is even more difficult to putt on, this is the million dollar question. Is that better? for the bad putters because everyone will be missing more frequently or is it better for the good putters since it is harder they can exercise their advantage rick that's why you sit in the chair you sit in (laughs) i i don't know if there's a correct way to answer that um but i in the case of scotty scheffler i'm not sure it really matters okay I mean, look at these results. It, they're they're irrelevant. And part of me says, okay, well, majors are going to be good for Scotty because there's not going to be a lot of birdies made. He's going to hit a lot of greens. And if he misses some short birdie putts, it's he's not really losing ground. When he goes to the American Express, everybody's has everybody has those close birdie putts that he does. Mm-hmm. And now when he misses putts, it's it's problematic, but he still finishes T17 with one dreadful round. You know, so I just think he's good enough to play anywhere, anytime. And he is as reliable as there is on the PGA Tour. And it might be worth saving 100 bucks and playing Scotty over Rory. I definitely like that. Um, this will not, you know, not get to 30 under par. There will be bogeys made. There will be a chance for him to realize his advantage a lot of different ways. I mean, he's a phenomenal short game player. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that I think that he's pretty interesting at 11 four. And then, you know, Xander and Victor, Victor, you know, you're going to hear the conversation about how, you know, he won his USM here and he's played, he's played uh, well every time he's teed it up at Pebble beach. It seems to be getting better. And then Xander, no matter what, 
you know, I, I, I think I like the well-rounded guys this week. We'll get to Tommy Fleetwood in a second, but like the Xander Shoffley, Max Homa, Tommy Fleetwood, well-rounded golfers who have a lot of different paths to the top. They excite me this week. I generally don't get Xander right, but it's a no-cut event. He's probably going to be near near, uh, near the top of the board. Uh, I would lean towards Xander. Okay. I actually, I know I went off on this thing about uh, Rory just now, but I wrote down two names on my list, and I wrote Scotty and Xander. <laughs> <laughs> I just got you. In the, I got you in the moment talking about Rory. I just, I, I really do feel strongly about it, but I would probably go Scotty over Rory, and I would go Xander over Hovland. Uh, just Xander's just played more. And I think he's kind of in that mid season form. Another guy that really struggled on the greens, but hit it so well, hit it so well. And he's a really good putter. I would not be surprised to see a resurgence from him on the greens. His 2024 is T10, T3, T9. And with a lot of bright green and the only area that he struggled, the putter is an area that he is historically very, very, very good at coming into this season. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Yeah. It was like, there were like four events last year. He lost strokes putting. No, it's, he does not not get enough credit for that. No. I mean, I remember when Xander was a top 10 putter on the PGA tour and went to arm lock and it was like, what are you, what are you doing? That was weird. Well, it's an advantage. Yeah, for guys who can't putt like you. Right. So he ends up going back and his form, he is as reliable as it gets, especially in that short range. So I think in this case, the question you asked about Scotty Scheffler kind of benefits Xander Shoffley either way. If he's struggling with the putter, well, then that's great. Uh, And if it requires really good putting, well, he's capable of that. I, I, that's what I agree with. I agree that, you know, if it gets, if it gets windy and nasty and everybody's missing greens, fine. If it's just wedges in fine. If it's a putting contest, fine. Like I, I think I have a lot of ways for Xander to get me to the top. Yes, he's ready. He is absolutely ready for a win. It's been a little frustrating. Have you been backing him? Cause like you said, I, I don't know if I can get Xander right. Well, if you play Xander and you get a T10 out of him at the century, that feels like a letdown. Did you get him wrong? I don't I, Yes, yeah, we say. Right? Like the, like the T3 at the American Express, you're like, "Okay, I guess I got what I wanted out of him." Yeah. Yeah. Like God. T9 at Farmers, you're like, "Ah." It's like it's like an average finish. Yeah. It is. But I would take that right now. I think I would too. And it'll probably be better. Uh, It probably will be. The 9K range. Very, very interesting. Patrick Cantlay at 97. Justin Thomas, 96. Jordan Spieth, 94. Max Homa, 92. Colin Morikawa at 9,100. And Ludwig Oberg at $9,000 even. All right. We do have uh, this range. We've got some history. We've got some great history. How much weight are we putting on it? Where are we going? Uh, Patrick Cantlay is just way underpriced, in my opinion. This is 
perfect. And the reason is because of the American Express and the Farmers. He did not play well. He does not have a good record at Farmers. The South Course is not very kind to him. So I get, I can write that off. And the American Express is one round, albeit Sunday. So we have some, you know, a couple rounds in, in the last two tournaments that have really hurt Patrick Cantlay. But when he comes here to Pebble Beach, something changes. And it changes in a big way for him. I mean, T3 and T4 in his last two years, his worst finishes back in 2017, a T48. He's got three top tens, another T11. He, he plays really well here. And there's something about Patrick Cantlay that always perplexes me. Like his strokes gained approach is kind of underwhelming, but he hits a ton of greens and regulation. And if you can hit a ton of greens and regulation here, those putts for birdie are a lot shorter. Uh, and I think that can give that gives Patrick Cantlay a little edge. I, I guess what I'm really trying to say here is I think his strokes gain approach is underwhelming because of his strategy, which has to change with when the greens get smaller. Interesting. Yeah, you hit it to the middle of these greens and you, you can't even have that long of a putt. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to differentiate where to aim differently for the middle of the green and the tucked pin. Right. Yeah, just hit it to the middle. Don't worry about it. Right. Uh, he has lost strokes from tee to green here once. That was seven years ago. Uh, he is generally a very, very good putter on these surfaces. Now, not all of these rounds are measured, but the ones at Pebble Beach are. And now we're getting more rounds there uh, than anywhere else this this year. So that is certainly helpful. Um, you like course history? Do you like Jordan Spieth? I, I imagine he's going to be quite popular, Greg. Yes, I like Jordan, but he's not my favorite in the in the range. Okay. I actually created a lineup. I went like Sia Najad style today. I created one lineup when I saw this pricing. I went with Cantlay, I went with Spieth, and I went with Holma all in one lineup. And you can you can do that very easily. You skip Rory, skip Scotty, skip Xander, skip Vic, skip them all. You can get those three guys in one lineup. Pretty strong play. Uh, it could be. But Max Holma, I think, is the is the guy. I I agree with you. I think Max Holma wins this week. Um it's 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 a very compelling resume that dates back to July, where he's been playing great golf. He was in the winner's circle in November on the European tour, the metrics are well-rounded and great. And then what he's done here, I almost typed in Tory Pebble beach, three straight top 15s. Um, and, and he's in his home state and we add a little extra layer, um, with the rain. Max Holm, I think is a mutter. He won a, a TPC Potomac. He did. In a wet one of the rare wins outside out of state. Yeah. Um he's now one out of the country too. But I, I think this just sets up so perfectly for him. And I, I love this. We've been talking about it for months. His game is well rounded now to the point where he can lean on any aspect of it. And I don't think we've seen his best stuff tee to green in a, in quite some time. 
he hasn't had to to record great finishes. But one of these days, he's going to start hitting the ball well again, like really well for an entire week. And it's going to be scary. And I think it happens this week. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that um, I, I kind of foreshadowed this before the, the the mold of Xander Homa Fleetwood, like that type of guy. I'm very excited about Homa is uh, certainly someone that I've got circled, starred, underlines, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I, I really love the way he's trending. Yeah, um, I'm just going to give it away, Rick. He's going to be my one and done play. Wow. Here we go. I think, uh, I don't know. You and I might be together on that one. All right. Well, you it's now uh, the ball's in your court. You can join me or let me howl at the moon by myself. It's 3.6 million for first. We didn't, we didn't mention that. It is 3.6 million, $20 million purse. This would be a, this would be a good one to get, to get correct. Yes. My demise last year was a struggle in these events. I don't think um, I, I think I'm going to get off to a better start. I'm just looking at like the I was looking for the tie table. Uh, first three point six, second two point one eight, third one point three. So three three spots, and actually fourth is nine hundred eighty thousand. So basically, the top four are getting a million bucks. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Okay, um, anybody else in the nine K range, or should we chug along? Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on JT. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm in. Like, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big buyer. The problem is, you just can't play all these guys, right? And I do worry a little bit about um, just like the the frustrating Poa situation where yeah. he he's a he's kind of a momentum guy, and when he hits a couple putts that he thinks were good putts, and they lip out or they do something weird i just i've i have worried in the past that that uh proliferates the rest of his game i i've worried about that so i i think that we are going to get a lot of good jt spots moving forward because i'm a big believer in him this year and with the the depth of the 9k range it is probably a situation where i will be underweight on justin thomas this week the t to green stuff should be perfect for jt here mm-hmm. Right, driver not overly important. He can club down a lot. A lot of wedges into the greens for the best wedge player in the game, arguably. But I think you hit the nail on the head. The frustrating Poe greens. I think that's what gets him here. Yeah, and you can't play them all. As much as I would love to, you can't cannot play all of these guys. Let's continue this conversation with the eights, the sevens, and the sixes. Uh, pretty good names, decent names in the six K range. I mean. Only an 80-player field. Somebody's got to be down there. We will have that conversation, but first, we'll take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining. This is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes, and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with 
they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. We're back. The $8,000 range. Sam Burns, Tony Finau, Cam Young. Tommy Fleetwood, Sung J.M., Jason Day, Hideki Matsuyama, and then we round it out with Matt Fitzpatrick, Nikolai Hoygaard, Benny On, and Tom Kim. All right, Greg, uh, where do we go here? All right. Um, you mentioned him already, so I think we should just start with the Tommy Fleetwood conversation. Sure. Because uh, I think it's really worthy. couple factors in play for him here. I, I trust him because he's from England uh, in these kind of conditions. I think there's a benefit to that kind of style. His record here is a little underwhelming, right? T65 in the U.S. Open. His only other start here is a T45. But his play has been so strong lately. Yes. I feel so strong about his putting. He's always had a wonderful short game. And, And I think he's gotten his driver back. He's gotten like kind of the, the whole the whole game is back. The the thing that I like about it is there is a percentage of people who are just like, oh, OK, well, you know, I'm looking at his PGA Tour stuff and it's it's fine. Right. It's a T25 the BMW championship. It's a T6 in a 30 player field, the tour championship with a staggered start. It's a T47 at the center. These are not overwhelming results, but uh, he plays a lot globally. And since the tour championship, he has a sixth, a 12th, a runner up, a win, a 14th. Like, I mean, he's been playing red hot golf, just not in North America. So, you know, you forget about it a little bit. And if you're not following, um, if you're not following golf all that closely, it may not be on your radar. But you're right. He's been playing great. So there's no reason for me to sit Tommy Fleetwood in a week like this. But if I was going to pivot, this is kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. It might be a good spot for Cam Young. You know, I stared really long at that name and I don't know. I didn't really come up with anything. So I'm glad I'm glad you brought him up. Um we, we've, we've talked about the struggles recently, but then he goes over and plays in Dubai an event. He probably should have won. He finished, he ends up finishing third, but let's, let's talk about it. Why, why could this be a good pivot to Cam Young? Well, I, I think, uh, can you pull up his, his stats and look at these wedge numbers? Yeah. Like his, his season stats. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll do bigger sample size from, from last year. Okay. Um, so 125 to 150, he's eighth. Yep. 150 to 175, a little bit longer, he's 13th. And 175 to 200, he's fifth. Those are his best ranges. Unranked from 50 to 125. Interesting. Okay. All right. So I remember it being a little better with the surprisingly good with the shorter wedges. I think it's 125 to 150 that stood out to me. Okay. But more important than that is uh, the the weather. Uh, Growing up in the Northeast, playing in some ugly conditions. He's familiar with it. He was in the mix with Max Homa at TPC Potomac. He's done well. You know, when during his rookie year, we lauded 
how he could play well in so many different styles of golf course, so many different um, weather conditions. All of this, his game seemed to work everywhere. And I liked what I saw at the Dubai Desert Classic. Leaderboard gravity got him on Sunday. Yes. But I think this game is coming around, and this could be the kind of event where he shines. It's You're going out a little bit on a limb. You don't have the Tommy Fleetwood stuff to back it up or the Xander Shoffley performances to back it up. But I'm willing to take a risk on Cam Young this week. This is the event that I was thinking of. I thought he might have done it at Pebble, but the um... – the the rookie year thing when it really kind of blew me away about him being able to play a lot of different places is he was the first round leader at Harbor Town and then yeah. he finished T third. And that is if you if you look statistically at like average drive length and like you know short courses, there's obviously a lot of comps between Harbor Town and Pebble Beach because a lot of guys play from the same spots and all that stuff. So small uh, greens. Small greens, yeah, exactly right. So that was the round or the tournament that I was that I was thinking of where I was like, oh my God. It might yeah. just be a bomb and gouge type of type of player. Right. He's he's not. Um, so, again, a little more risky than, say, Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, but I think it, it could be worthwhile this week. The rest of this range is fascinating. You know, we got a lot of good and a lot of bad from Hideki last week. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick, I'm interested to see kind of just in general what he does in, in, in 2024. Nikolai Hoygaard, both the Hoygaards, making a name for themselves. But Nikolai finishes runner-up last week. I mean, there's there's a lot of different places we could go here, Greg. Um, there is. All of those players you mentioned are really interesting. I think the three that catch my attention, you got Ben on. Okay, he's down at 8,000. Jason Day with his record here at 8,400. And Matt Fitzpatrick at 8,200. But let, let's start with uh, Benny on. Okay. Because this has been just awesome for him. Look at what he's done off the tee been a great driver of the ball for so, basically his whole career. Um, but especially lately, this has been ever since March of last year, just absolutely phenomenal off the tee. Uh, and what we've seen with the putting is some great success since he went to the long putter. I love riding that kind of storyline. Uh, I love riding that momentum shift that has it cost him a tournament at the Sony. And that's probably in a lot of people's mind. I'm willing to let go of it and play him again this week. In his last eight events, he has gained significantly with the putter in six of them. He's been like a dead, dead zero in one of them. And he lost, <laughs> lost very bad in the other, but that is, that's the opposite. He used to lose very badly in six out of seven. Right. <laughs> and that change, you could see it in the results. Yeah. Right. I mean, you got a T3 at the Scottish Open, a T2 at the Wyndham Championship, a fourth at the Century, a T2 at the Sony that should have been a one. Plain and, sim- plain and simple should have been a win. Right. So, look, I still think there's a chip on his shoulder. He's playing well enough to win. Uh, and and I think he can knock on the door again at Pebble Beach this week. Uh, Jason Day's the other one here, right? Uh, yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal history. He's been he's been great at 
Pebble Beach. The results coming in are a little less inspiring. He kind of did. Him and Ricky Fowler have been on a very similar trajectory for the last couple of years. They both were great. They both kind of slumped at the same time. They both rebounded and then they both won and immediately struggled like it is it's it's interesting how these two have have kind of tracked one another but that's what we're looking at with jason day here i do think jason day has been a little better than ricky um but the thing that led to the win for him was a huge improvement with his iron game his iron his iron play was terrible then it got really good again and then you know towards the end of last year after that win it come I mean, he he lost 10 strokes approaching the green at the BMW. Mm-hmm. And he's been like a zero guy ever since. So I'm wondering if that comes back. But if this does get really nasty and becomes a short game, muddy grinder kind of competition, Jason Day could be a great guy to have on your roster. Um, especially if these results keep other people away. Right. That's the thing is, you know, there's if if Jason Day was playing better and he was coming here, he'd be ninety four hundred instead of eighty four hundred. Yeah. Kind of the give and take at the range that we're in right now. And there's, you know, even more give and take as we go down one more click to the seven thousand dollar range. This starts with JT Poston and, and Sahith Thigala. Chris Kirk, Denny McCarthy, Justin Rose uh, in the middle. And then we round out the 7K range with Sepp Straka, Brendan Todd, Eric Van Royen. So where do we want to spend here? Um, very interested in JT Poston still. Yeah. Um, very interested in Denny McCarthy. I think it's a good week to go back to an Eric Cole. Agreed. Uh, there's a couple Canadians in this range I like in Corey Connors and Nick Taylor. And I think, um, I think Kevin, you is really rising up the ranks quickly. So I, I think Rick, there's a ton of options here in this range. Yeah. So we'll just run through a couple of them real quick. JT posted, and we've, we've documented this a lot, so we don't need to spend much time here has just been piling up results. His 2024 is a T5 of the century, a sixth of the Sony an 11th, the American express. The only place he ever loses is off the T. You could argue, Hey, maybe that gets a little bit overshadowed this week and he gets to lean on his strengths. I do want to pull up Kevin Yu because he's got two good results in a row, Greg, but I'm going to argue the putting improvement is actually we've gone four tournaments for that. You know, he was a small loser at the RSM, even smaller at the Sony, a small winner at the American Express, a big winner at the Farmers. But all four of those are well above his baseline. And now those results are starting to trickle in. Yes. And don't forget about Kevin Yu's pedigree. Um, and also, don't forget, if you've been doing models on rickrungood.com and we get into these wedge fests, Kevin Yu's name, especially when he was constantly priced in the 6K range, came up all the time. Yes. And that putter was an anchor that really just dragged him back. And you had to say, all right, I know the model says Kevin Yu, but I can't do it. Now you can. And I believe you should. Um. The other few were okay. I want to talk about Corey Connors because that is one guy I did not have. I, I liked Nick Taylor. I did not necessarily get deep enough into Corey Connors. So I want to see Greg kind of what's going on 
here and I see the great ball striking, the team no putt uh, captaincy. Now that maybe Kevin Yu is on his way out, he might have handed you know passed the torch to Corey Connors here. That that's what I'm seeing from this profile. Yeah, it's gotten pretty bad, and it hasn't been great here in the past either. So this is the Corey Connors theory. Uh, with weather, I want ball strikers. I like Corey Connors ball striking. That hopefully keeps the scores a little closer to even par and allows Corey Connors to pile up greens of regulation, pile up missed putts, but you know, maybe even gain some ground here and there. So this is simply a weather play. Um, I think Corey Connors is also a mutter and we get into some gritty, nasty conditions I'd rather I'd like in certain cases to lean a little more on ball striking when that's available. And it is here with him. I am fascinated to see what happens with Eric Cole. Uh, Eric Cole was for basically 20 straight weeks, a fantasy darling. He produced week over week. It didn't matter where he was, when it was, how it was. He found a way to produce. And now one bad week, two really bad rounds at a golf course that might not be great for him to now go to a golf course that in theory should be a lot better. And I'm already getting this feeling. I'm already getting this feeling that the public is over Eric Cole. They've just moved on. There is a shiny new object everywhere they look. This is a stacked field. Eric Cole is like last year's news, and I am just so tempted to be clicking his name as much as possible. Yeah, I put him on the list right away. JT Poston just because he was priced higher, and then Eric Cole. You go right back. Last week is so explainable. It's a terrible venue for him. You have to drive it great at Tory Pines. Everybody knows it. Eric Cole doesn't do that. It was set up to be a disaster from the start. Now we're right back into action. You forget about that. You move on. And all of a sudden you go come to a golf course that plays right into your strengths. So I am hoping praying to my lucky stars <laughs> that the general public is with you, Rick, or not with you, but uh, it, that you're right on the general public's persona. There's Eric Cole fatigue. And now we have the reason to not play him. Yeah. I, and I, I'll be, I'll play him. Eric Cole fatigue in a range where Jaeger played great last week. Kevin, you is there. Nick Taylor's a past champion. Steven. Ye- uh, uh, who else? R- Justin Rose is there. Matthew Pavot. Like, there's just a lot of names. Let's spread the yep. around. You don't have to click Eric Cole's name. I will. I'll take care. Of right. You don't have to. You got Sepp Straka here. You never know. Yeah. Could be a Straka week. Could be a Straka. It week. actually could be a Straka week. Yeah, I know. I do like Straka a lot. Yeah. $6,000 range. We've got freshly minted professional Nick Dunlap at $6,900. The middle Lukeless Lucas Glover. And then the bottom of this range at exactly $6,000 even Lee Hodges, Peter Malnati, Sam Ryder, Seamus Power. So if you want to kind of jam a couple of those uh, expensive boys into the lineup, you might have to creep down here, Greg. Yep. And I think you're okay to creep down. I mean, uh, look, some of these guys that are min price are hard to play, but Seamus Power nearly, I mean, he had a really good chance to win here before. 
he was five. I think he was five shots clear at 36 he, holes. He was. And then I think he had to go play Pebble. And I and I I remember this because I think I had an outright on him, and it just all it just all came crashing down. Yeah, in like one or two holes or something, it it just fell apart. I'm not sure he finished inside the uh, T nine. He finished T okay. nine. Okay, I didn't think he finished inside the top ten, but okay. Not. So look, I'm not saying he hasn't been playing very well. I don't necessarily like it. There's not. I can't make a case for it other than he's min priced and he's almost won here. But other than that, there there are some guys that I think are really really playable um one of them i think is mackenzie hughes uh at 6400 i think you get a great value here again he is similar to the eric cole model this is not going to be a guy who impresses you off the tee even though he has gotten a little longer and a little better but his iron play has been really good in the last four events he's finish um gaining zero strokes or more hasn't lost strokes in four straight events he has a really good short game uh and and is a great putter I, this just feels like the kind of grit the gritty tough muddy nasty golf course that Mackenzie hughes can thrive on yeah that's interesting and and i agree with the the skill set there i'm gonna throw out and i think i think it'll be very popular but i, I find maverick mcneely to be rather uh, interesting. The, the the all the connections to Pebble. He's played well here. Yeah, blah. blah. Um, he is one of the best putters in the world. He's also one of the best po- Poa putters in the world. Yes, uh, he is finally healthy. He played the best he's played since this since the, coming back from the injury last week at the Farmers. It looks like he's knocking the rust off. It looks like the game is coming back to him. I just look at a guy who is $6,200, nearly the minimum price, and all of his long-term stuff, even his medium-term stuff, stinks because he had that run of just like – I mean, he was playing hurt. The, the awful. Number, awful. But are you – like I would rather Maverick McNeely over – Kucher and Spawn and Smalley and Hardy and Hubbard and Wu and like all of these guys, I just I just think he opens up a lot of possibilities with your salary cap. It's also a four round tournament. Yeah, um, no cut. And if he is still shaking rust off, you know you're not done after a bad round in round one. You know he can struggle in it for a day and get you a ton of points on Sunday because he's comfortable and starting to feel a little bit better and can go shoot 64 at Pebble or something. So I, I understand the play. I really like it. I had another POA specialist for you. Okay. We went with him last week, Patrick Rogers. And it was um, T9 last week. Can you roll that over again? Because I'm kind of interested. I'm, I'm interested in it. Hit it well. He hit it well. This is now He's swinging well. This is now three good starts in a row to start 2024. I'll give him four. If if you go back to the Australian Open in December, you get four good starts in a row with some good ball striking metrics. He does love POA for whatever reason. He's kind of able, even if he didn't even putt all that well. Uh, well, he lost. Uh, we don't have the North Course round, but we've got right. You know, three pretty decent rounds at the South Course. I'll tell you what. He's I, just got a terrible record at Pebble. It's a terrible record at Pebble. But he's he, got four straight missed cuts and a T8 in 2018. I think you could do worse. 
I think so too. I'm willing to take a chance on a horrible miscut player. They're not horrible miscuts. No, no. And let's just pretend he, he can't handle Monterey Peninsula. Yeah, right? let's That's, pretend that. <laughs> he just can't handle it. <laughs> Any other darts you would like to throw in the 6K range? You know, Tom, Tom Hoagie's won this event. Tom Hoagie's won it. I know. You make a good, such a good case with Maverick McNeely. It, it's hard to go anywhere else uh, with any logic. But I, I do think um, like Brandon Wu is interesting to me. I think he's turning the corner. Nick Hardy is really interesting to me in a strange way. I mean, his ball striking has been so good. Finishes have been pretty good. But again, I don't know if I like it enough. He at the farmers last week, he gained five shot, five and a half shots approaching the green. I love that. It's been pretty good out of Nick Hardy. You know who I want to look at is Taylor Moore. I love Taylor Moore, but he has not played. No, I was interested. I took my shot on him last week. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not, it's not great. I mean, I guess the argument is, his short game might be more valuable here, but he's really bad on approach. Uh, he's got like two straight top twenties here. I I'm ready. I'm ready for, I want him back. Like I liked, I like him. I like the way he yeah. played the run that he had up until his win last year was cool. It was, it was awesome. I need this version of him again. Not, not this version. No, it's not good. It's not good. But this happens sometimes after a win. You get a little time. You try to improve some things, and it can it can create some struggles. It has for Taylor Moore. I thought last week. I mean, I could see him in my crystal ball uh, near you know in contention on Sunday, <laughs> and it didn't happen. Not yeah, even close. It was uh, it was Matthew Pavone. It was these other guys who he was back in Florida before the tournament even ended. Ah, I hate it. All right, Greg. Well, listen, uh, back to normal Thursday starts and it's going to be our first, my opinion, our first real look at what these events are going to look like moving forward. And I'm excited about that. And Pebble is going to get the field that it deserves. Yes, uh, I'm really looking forward to it as well. And don't forget Spyglass is Yeah, it's a cool. really good track and it's harder than Pebble, mm-hmm. which is a rarity. Last year was eighth. Uh, the eighth most difficult course, Pebble, is 25th. Mm. So it's going to be a factor this week. It doesn't change any of the analysis, but don't take your eyes off a of spyglass either. Bundle up and root for good drainage and that we will be done on Sunday night and not Monday morning. Yes. It would be kind of crazy to do a, a, a Sunday recap episode on Monday and just w- just stay on live for a DFS episode. To do just run it straight, yeah, roll straight into Riviera. That's not going to happen. No, it's not. Okay, uh, big thanks to producer Troy does all the hard work behind the scenes. Uh, Greg Ducharme is available on Twitter at the Real GFD, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.
Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy.